Welcome to Media Nouveau, a podcast series exploring new media, old media, and the murky area in between. We're students in David Morgan's new media writing class at Emory University. Throughout the semester, we will discuss and question different facets of the ever-changing media landscape, examining the ways in which we interact with and shape media. Each episode will explore a publication so that the series as a whole will articulate our own definition of these genres. Hey y'all, this is producer Enrisha Guha and assistant producer Kevin Wong. And this week on Media Nouveau, we take a quantitative approach to new media in 538, the samples, the stats, and the stories that will make you rethink storytelling. Now before we go on, I want you to think about stories. Kevin, what was one of the most compelling stories you were told as a kid? When I was younger, I was told when one monk stays in the temple, he fetches water single-handedly. When two, they fetch it together. And when three, no one would. For everyone is waiting for the other two to do it. <laughs> Interesting. What about the story made it matter to you or made you believe it? It is hard to make sense of this story if you get rid of the numbers in it, which we can view as data. But with numbers, I'm easily convinced. That is the strength of storytelling with data. Yeah, storytelling is an art form that has been passed down pretty much for as long as we can remember. One of the most important parts of storytelling, though, is what makes it compelling, whether that takes into account the details used to create a world or the credibility of the protagonist in shaping the storylines. New stories are nothing but compelling stories, like the fable I told, but stories that have been crafted with a base of evidence from real life. As data has entered our sphere, However, the idea of evidence, even in new stories, has changed. If there is a data available to draw conclusions and make predictions, is it enough to persist with only interviews and qualitative research to mold together a story? The website that we're focusing on today, 538, explores that gap, tackling numbers head-on to see what stories might blossom from them. I mean, according to his website, 538 uses statistical analysis, hard numbers, to tell compelling stories about politics, science, economics, and culture. It is directed towards the average newsreader. It was founded by a writer and statistician named Ned Silver, who started off as an economic consultant then a baseball analyst for Baseball Prospectus which is basically a website that analyzed baseball performance and projections using statistics. As he was working, he started blogging on the site under the pseudonym Poblano, using his knowledge of stats to make projections of baseball and then entering politics to make projections for the 2008 primaries. And it was correct. He correctly called all 35 signing races and the winners of the presidential contest in 49 out of 50 states. It was correct again in 2012. He gained a lot of popularity for his political analysts, and soon his blog morphed into what we know as 538, which became the website that creates statistical stories on sports and politics and nearly anything you can imagine. And it's also the number of electors in the Electoral College which is ironic as it highlights its political focus. Since it's a website that anyone can use and access, 
it gets its funding from paid advertisements, regardless of partisanship of the ads. It is divided into politics, sports, science and health, economics, and culture categories, and it is sponsored now by ESPN, though it used to be affiliated with the New York Times for a period of time. None of the ads influenced the data and results 538 interprets though, according to Silver. So now, what does all of that really mean? 538 is actually really interesting when you look at how they approach politics. Rather than relying on press times, the emails, the tweets that lead the White House, 538 takes all this information one step further making projections on not only what's going on currently in the White House, but what might happen given the information and data we currently have. For example, if you go and visit the site today, you'll see a little interactive toolbar on the top right of the page titled, surprisingly, How Popular is Donald Trump? As of November 15th, you can see that approximately 38% of people in the United States approve, while about 56% disapprove. This graphic is really cool because it brings together a bunch of different polls like Gallup, CNN, and even SurveyMonkey in real time. So you can see the changes in Trump's approval rating on the daily. What's even cooler about this is if you're a stats nerd like I kind of am, you can always go in and see the methodology behind everything that they publish, which is a great step and salute towards the reproducibility of research. And it's not something you can necessarily do with a lot of regular news articles that you see in like the New York Times or the Washington Post. Like for political polls, 538 will tell you that a post, the pollster's historical track record, the poll sample size, and the recentness of the poll are all considered when 538 does statistical analysis. Right. This is why it really fits into this idea of new media writing. In this new media landscape, Plenty of people take new media to mean anything digital or interactive, like the Trumpo and Wisha mentioned. It's easy for the users to interact with the data given, and it plays into the idea of participatory culture. Another interactive video was published this June, titled 35 Years of American Death. It's basically a map of the United States divided by county, and it maps different causes of death from 1980s to 2014. For example, if I grew up in DeKalb County and wanted to see the death rates and popular categories of my county, I could easily filter the data and zoom in as much as I want to get that information. Something that might be a little harder to do if a story like this was published on any other news site without the interactive visuals and analysis. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, right? By putting visuals out there, like the Trump poll, or like the death map, 538 still does tell stories, but it makes storytelling an active experience. When 538 writes about polls, you know that the polls are relevant to the society that you live in, and it makes everything so much more accessible, which again, combats the narrow casting anything data-driven tends to be. This modernist media that I just referenced as a result becomes more spreadable, according to media scholar Henry Jenkins. One of the few issues we thought of with this type of storytelling, though, is credibility. Since 538 deals with a lot of big, complex data sets and analysis, it might be more difficult to catch errors in stories without going through all of the analysis like a statistician, 
even if the authors walk you through the methodology. It is definitely easier to catch a typo or an error in a quote than an error in the analysis itself. Regardless, though, if you are determined to validate the story or the visual, they have published the data that they use, almost like they're daring you to challenge the conclusions that they've made. This idea we can categorize as a positive example of collective intelligence, a concept also explored by Jenkins. It makes me think that they're accountable for the information that they find because readers and critics will make sure it's right, or they will be called down on it by field experts. This definitely contrasts with the old media and classic news reporting, which don't use data to draw conclusions, and it simply wasn't there. With the internet and GitHub and other collaborative platforms, it is so much easier to make connections that supplement the human connections and interviews that are typically used to guide stories and news articles. Plus, in addition to that, it challenges the audience to develop an opinion of their own, another consequence of the new media la landscape. At the end of the day, it is important to revisit the question we posed at the beginning of our episode. How important is data really in the type of storytelling Web38 does, and in the new media landscape today? The answer to that is that it's very important. When we have all this data available in this great big world of ours, no, it's not enough to continue to limit storytelling in ways that doesn't engage with all the resources we have available. It is so, so important to engage with anything and everything we have, especially now since the scope of what we have is so great. Unlike the story about social loafing that I was told as a kid, the more people who are involved in the data collection and analysis process, the more effective and compelling the stories told will be. Maybe the takeaway should actually be that the number of monks does end up being positively correlated with the amount of water that comes back to the temple, just as the number of members who engage with the data positively correlates with the quality and credibility of the story told. Again, this is Anwisha. And this is Kami. And thanks for listening. If you want more information, the sources used in this video are listed in the podcast description. Remember to check out the website to see for yourself at www.538.com. Thanks for listening.